Good morning, everybody. We're going to be in the book of Ephesians. If you'd like to turn there in your Bible with me, I'd appreciate that. Ephesians chapter 4. Well, happy Father's Day. Thank you. Yeah, it is, it is such a blessing to be a dad, and I, uh, I really enjoy that. I got a new microphone, and I'm trying to fit it to my ear. Remember the, a few weeks ago, the other one was crackling a little bit, and yeah, we, we ruined that one, so we, we call it the backup now. It's Alistair can use that one. <laughs> there we go. That'll work. Okay. So we're in Ephesians chapter 4, and, and it is happy Father's Day. Glad to, uh, to honor dads and to think about dads. You know, it, it, is, it is really a blessing um, for us to be able to set aside time, a day, at least, you know, but time to honor uh, the men that God has set aside. Now listen, this is, this is important. We're honoring the men that God has set aside to love and lead and serve in our homes and families. Amen? That's what we're doing. Because we believe that God has ordained that, that God has set that up, that, that, that men who, who have become fathers or husbands and then fathers and, and are, are in the home are there because of God's divine will and authority to, to help love and lead and serve in that capacity. And, and today, um, it just I'm, I'm really excited about today. I'm really, uh, what's the word? Anticipate? anticipatory about today. It's, it's a little, it, we're going in some new territory today. Uh, while we honor dads and, and, and look at the, uh, the way that God has, has modeled that for the family, them to love, lead, and serve the family, we're also going to be looking at another way that God has gifted us with men, and that is to love, to lead, and to serve the household of God. Um, so it's, it's going to be an exciting day. We're going to talk about a lot of stuff, maybe stuff that's new to you. Uh, we're going to start a four-week series today on the biblical role of men as elders in the church. And, uh, and for some of you, that, that right away you're like, wait a minute, I didn't sign up for this, right? And because some have really bad history and there's, there's bad blood that's happened with that. And you hear that and like, oh, this is not going to go well. Some of you are like, wait, what? What's that? It's biblical. It's something in the Bible we're going to learn about. You're going to get to know. And I hope you have that open heart and open mind to hear what Jesus has to say about that. But we're going to be going through a four-week series on, on biblical eldership, because that's what we're pursuing as a church. So I want to kind of give you an update of the process that we've been uh, going through to pursue just being a biblical church, okay? Uh, we have uh, probably three, four, four years ago, just on my heart, as I studied scriptures, I'm seeing in the scriptures that there's, there's elders, they constantly mention elders or, or deacons, and I want to know, what, what is that? What are, the, what are those offices? What are we talking about? Because I had really never seen that played out. Uh, in the life of, of our church here or in the, in the life of churches I've, I've attended. I, I had seen some deacons or people referred to as deacons, um, and, and I wanted to understand that. So I began to pursue it along with some other guys talking and praying and, and, and going to the Word and studying what, what does it mean to have elders and deacons. And it's one of the things, it's interesting in, in Southern Baptist tradition, it's kind of uh, been not a big priority to have elders. Deacons, yes, a lot of, a lot of Southern Baptist constitutions and bylaws, even our church constitution and bylaws has the provision for deacons to serve, and it's one of those things like, why aren't we following that, or why haven't we done that in, in decades? So we, we pursued that and tried to see what, what was maybe not set up correctly, and um, just uh, the beauty of seeing uh, elders who would become, who would, who would be servant leaders in the church and help lead the church towards spiritual maturity that would help guide the course of the church, that would help shepherd the church as well. And, and culturally, we tend to mess things up. Would you agree with that? 
culturally, we, t- we tend to say, you know, this is what we think it should look like. This is what we think we should do, and, and that's what we do. And that's not just limited to the culture. The culture just doesn't do that. You and I do that. We think this seems right, this feels right, let's just go this direction. And that's not always the right way. So we have to go back to our roots and say, what, what, is, what is really happening here? What is God's word really saying? So uh, over the last several years, uh, we've, we've started not only studying and, and seeing what elders and deacons look like uh, in the church, but, but wanting and desiring to pursue that as a, as a church leadership. So uh, our church council has been meeting about that. We, the church council set up uh, a group of guys to, to work on our constitution and bylaws and, and to, to kind of reform that and to kind of bring it to biblical standards. Um, and that's, that's been started, but as we went through that process, we realized the greater need in our church that we were missing was elders, was, was those men who would say, I, I'm a servant leader, I want to love and serve and, and help guide the church with, with all my heart so that we can be spiritually mature. And it's not to say that we, we aren't pursuing that, but we can do a better job. And, and, and I want to I clear a couple things up. Before we go too far into this, I want to clear a couple things up, right? One is this, that, that we as followers of Jesus should desire his best. Amen? That we as followers of Jesus should desire to be informed by his word always. Amen? And, and it's, it's really, this is really important for us to, to get in line with right now. Um, the supremacy of God's word is always to embrace, and when it comes to difficult teachings or positions that might make us uncomfortable, that we would always want this the truth of God's word. We, it's, it's great to have disagreements. It's great to debate and to talk. But when it comes down to it, the answers that we should seek are right here. And that's, that's what we stand on. If we don't stand on this, we're not standing on anything. Okay? So, and I've talked about that often. This, this, I, I teach the Bible every week, and you, you're in groups, and you learn the Bible every week. This is our sole authority. We don't go to see what culture's doing. We don't go to see what, what that church did. I, I, it's interesting, as I studied elders and deacons, I, I visited some churches, and especially when I was on vacation, checking out different churches and talking to pastors. How, how do they do this? How do you set this up? And it amazed me that churches even, churches that have elders or deacons or have deacons they call elders or elders they call deacons, they, they set something up. And I'm saying, well, you, you tried, but you didn't follow the instruction book. You didn't do it the way it said. It, it, I mean, props, I guess, to you for trying, but... Let's, let's do it the correct way. So that's, that's our endeavor. We want to do that. The other thing we must keep in view, that, that while our culture has shifted, and it has, right? I mean, we're 2,000 years removed from the New Testament church, Jesus, and we are still the New Testament church. We're 2,000 years removed from the beginning of that, though. And while our culture has shifted, and, and it has shifted, right? It has shifted drastically. But while our culture has shifted, God's word has not this has not been changed and updated. God hasn't said, you know what, you're right, culture's figured this out, they have all the answers, let's rewrite this. God says, listen, I'm God. I've given you the book, I've given you, given you the way this should be, why don't you follow that? So we see that culture shifts, and, and while people may have some good ideas or thoughts, humanity has done a pretty good job of messing up what God has created. And we, we see that from the beginning, with Adam and Eve in the garden. God created something amazing, Adam and Eve sinned, and when sin entered the world, death entered the world, and now this redemption process had to occur because humanity messed it up. Even as we celebrate holidays, like today, like Father's Day, or we celebrate last month, Mother's Day, in, in, in essence, in, in practice, or in, in theory, rather, it's, oh, this is great, this is going to be wonderful, it's Father's Day, it's Mother's Day, but it's not so great in all the homes in the world, right? 
It is not so great because people have messed it up. Sin has entered the world and there's, there's hardship and there's hurt. There's, there's moms that couldn't, couldn't be there for their kids or dads who left and, or there, there were dads who had to play mom or moms who had to play dad. There's, there's things that are backwards in our culture. It's not to say it's right. It's just how it is. Humanity is a great way of messing things up. So yeah, there can be a lot of hurt and baggage because of failures in humanity and our, our own decisions, our own ideas or thoughts or preferences. But we have to continually bring ourselves back to the center and the foundations of Christ and the truth we find in Christ's word and, and the word of God. This is what grounds us. This is where we should stay. And, and I know as we look at biblical eldership, and, and listen, this is the disclaimer, right? I know as we look at biblical eldership, both in the sense of authority, like, oh, elders, what does that mean? Is that like some kind of lorded over ruling council, right? So we look at that in the sense of authority, but we also look at that in the, in the sense of roles of males and females and how God has ordained that. That's going to mess with us a little bit. And we can always, listen, as we go forward with this, we can always pull from examples where this is done really, really poorly. And, and we can look at the hurt that it caused us or the hurt it caused the church or a family, and we'll say, man, that, that, look, at, look at all that hurt that it caused. And, and culture can, because culture is so messed up, because someone did it the wrong way, here's what we do. We say, that must be outdated then. And really what we should say is, what does God want us to do? What does God set up? What does God's word say about this? How can it inform us to be more obedient to what this looks like as a structure? Not, not look at a church and say, man, they really messed up, so it must be outdated. Let's abandon that. Maybe what they've done has sinned and gone against God's word, and that's why it's messed up. Because what God has created, he's created for our good and his glory, and he's created it perfectly. So we're going to look more at that. But we cannot look to how the culture or the church has messed up and say it's outdated. But we have to go back to the word and let it inform us. Okay? So with that said... The scriptures teach us and demonstrate for us God's design and his desire for male headship in the family and home. We, look, we talked about that last week. We talked about marriage and, the, and just the importance of having this vertical relationship figured out first, right? We, we want to have this vertical relationship figured out between me and Jesus. And that when I get to that place, I can be in a place of humility where I can take on the role that God has given me as a husband and a father. And only in humility, when I understand my position in relationship to God, can I lead then with humility. So it has to start with the vertical before it goes outward to the horizontal in my relationships. So the same is true. We, we understand that the God, there's a, God's desire and design for male headship in the family and home. It also teaches us, the scriptures also teach us about male headship in the household of God. It's very clear. It's not something we like to talk about. We, frankly, I would rather not talk about it. I'd rather pass over it. I'd rather say, you know, let's save that one for a different day. Because everything's going groovy. It's all wonderful, you know, and, I, and we can't do that, though. We want, we should want, as followers of Christ, what Jesus wants for his church. This is his church, not my church or your church. This is his church. So we see that God teaches us about the design of male headship and leadership in the household of God and in the house. God created us male and female, and we have different roles. And that is okay. That is not questioning equality. We are all equal before God. We are all equally in need of Jesus Christ's redemption and salvation. And when we are saved, we are all equally adopted into his kingdom and have equal rights as sons and daughters. But God has given us different roles. And that is okay. 
So the revelation of biblical male leadership, it does not have, it does not in any way diminish the significance and necessity of active female involvement in the home and in the church. The first century Christian women played an indispensable role in forward advancement of the, of the kingdom of God and the gospel. Many passages give evidence of, of women working diligently in the Lord's service. And some of Paul's co-laborers in the gospel were women. You see, some of the gals that were, were hanging with the, with the early apostles and, and the disciples, they, were the, they weren't the apostles, but they were the disciples of Christ. You see the women there with Jesus, and, and, and there's all kinds of... And listen, we think, we think about women's lib, we think about women's, women's rights and equality, and that women can do everything a man can do. You know what? This isn't about abilities. This isn't about um, whether you're, you're able or not. This is about what God has designed and what God has ordered for us to do. And that's what we're to listen to. But it's not about equality. Right? There, there's, there's equality there so that we're not diminishing a woman's value. And we shouldn't say this. We're not elevating a man's value and saying he's better off or he's better than a woman. We have different roles. Some of, like I said, some of Paul's co-laborers were women. Their, their active role, though, here, listen, the women's active role in advancing the gospel and caring for the Lord's people was accomplished in ways that did not assume the role of male leadership in the home or the church. And that's the way God designed it. So, pastors or elders, biblically speaking, are to be men. And that's kind of where we start today. And we're going to get into more of that next week when we talk about the qualifications of elders. So not only do we see a clear roles of eldership in Scripture, we also see that there's a burden of shepherding that's placed on one man. So there's, there's two things kind of we have to look at, you know, we're, we're starting with. One is the roles of males and females, and that, that male headship is, is to be embraced as biblical under the authority of Christ. And then the second thing is that we, we've worked ourselves into a place as a culture, as a, even as a church culture, to say, listen, we, we are a church, let's hire a pastor, they'll, they'll do the preaching, it's going to be great, we're going to sing Kumbaya every week, it's going to be awesome. And, and we'll be okay. But listen, that's not what makes us spiritually mature. And, and, and listen, I, I, I know the burden it is as a pastor, as the pastor at this church, the only pastor, right? I have some staff that are very helpful, and I have some, some of you that are very helpful to come alongside, but there is a huge burden, a burden that I cannot carry. And, and you know what? It's a burden I don't even try to carry because if I did, it would crush me. But I'm still burdened for you. I'm still burdened for those of you who fall through the cracks. I'm still burdened for those of you who are dealing with things that you never got a, you had to voice and had someone have an ear to listen. I'm burdened for that. And that's, that's what we're seeing as we see servant leadership, as we see uh, male eldership, as servant leaders, that's what happens. The church gets taken care of more broadly. And we, and we can reach a fullness of maturity with the plurality of elders. So we're going to look at that again today, too. There's many stories, countless stories, in churches all around America of pastors over and over being burned out. <clears throat> the average senior pastor position lasts three and a half years. And they quit and move on. Three and a half years is barely getting started. I've been pastor here for, I don't know, two years almost? In interim before that, in a year, year plus. So it's almost been three and a half years now. I feel like we're just getting warmed up. Most people are thrown in the towel. Youth pastors, it's less. Because we overburden one person. And that's not what is biblically accurate to do. It's unproductive and irresponsible to let the shepherding responsibilities rest only on one person. I also don't want that kind of power. Because that kind of absolute power corrupts, doesn't it? And I don't want that. I want accountability. 
I want, I want to rub shoulders with, with other guys who love Jesus and love the church and will call me to account and call me to task as I should be called to. So I say God is, God is giving us a gift, just like he's given us a gift of fathers in the home. He's given us a gift of men as male leaders in the church, and that's something that we uh, are, are wanting to set right. Uh, in the book of Titus, I'll read this to you. You don't have to turn there. Titus 1.5, Paul writes and says, The reason I left you in Crete was to set right what was left undone. So this isn't the first time this has happened. Back 2,000 years ago in the early church, Paul is telling Titus, say, listen, I'm, I'm leaving you there in Crete. There's some things that have been left undone that need to be changed and fixed. And that's, that's great, right? That's, we should be looking for those things. He said, and here's what he says to do. As I directed you to appoint elders in every town. Go to every church and appoint elders in every church. And that is such an important thing to, to, to understand. That's kind of been my, my life verse. And as we talk about this process, I, I see some things that are undone. Now, I don't want to say this. I, I said this a minute ago. I don't think we're spiritually immature. I mean, in some ways, we always will be, right? We want to grow into maturity. But I think, and I think the spirit of what God has ordained has been taking place. There's, a, there's several men in this church who have taken on some of those shepherding roles, and you see that naturally just occurring, and, you, and you, you're drawn to that person, and that you're thankful for their teaching. Right? That's, that's occurring naturally. But there's, there is an order to this, and, and we want to establish this so that there's some accountability as well. And, and so what, what is left undone, we want to set right by appointing elders in our church as well. So I want to unpack this, this gift that God has given us. I want to look at this gift a little more in depth about what God has given us and see how elders can serve the church. All right, We're going to look at how, six, six things in regards to how elders serve the church. That's today's message. Next week's message, we're going to be talking about the qualifications of elders. What, what kind, kind of men are we talking about? Not, not like what do they do, but, but what, are, what, what makes them qualified to do that? All right, so uh, the first, number one is this. There should be a plurality of elders. The plurality of elders. Elders serve the church best when there's more than one. All right, that's, that's the point of that. I'm going to read several verses here to you just showing that this is biblical. Having a plurality of elders is biblical. And they're listed in, I, I, listen, I know your notes look crazy, right? Your notes look like this long list of, someone was saying, I was trying to get them all, but I, it was too much. I just, I get it. A lot of this is reference stuff. And listen, I, as we go through this process as a church, and we're going to talk more about it in a minute, I want you to be prayerful. I want you to be diligent to study. I want you to ask questions. I want you to dig deep. I want you to, to want what God wants and to let God lead our church there. So study, test, look, go back and research. But here's what it says about the plurality of elders. In Acts 11.30, it says, They did this, sending relief the Jerusalem church, to the Jerusalem church. They did this to send relief to the elders in the Jerusalem to, church by means of Barnabas and Saul. Elders, plural. Acts 14.23, When they had appointed elders for them in every church. So they went out and appointed elders in every church. Acts 20 says he sent to Ephesus and summoned the elders of the church. So he, the, church, the, the church of Ephesus, they, I'm summoning your elders to come. Plural, elders. Philippians 1, Paul writes in a greeting, he says, To all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi. So he's saying to all the saints, to all the Christians, Christ followers there, we're sending a letter, including the overseers and deacons. Overseers and deacons, plural. So there's, a, there's another word. We've seen elder, now we see overseer. Okay, other places we see pastor. Other places we see shepherd. Others, others, other places we see it inferred as leaders who teach and admonish the, 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 the body and, and, and the flock. So we're going to see how the, those words all are synonymous as one. <clears throat> and then James 5, 14. What, what's James say? If anyone's sick among you, you should call for the elders of the church. Come pray for you. 
In Hebrews 13, this is where we see the leaders part. In verse 7 and 17, it says, Remember your leaders who have spoken God's word to you. So they're just calling them just leaders or leaders, right? Elders lead. That's part of the role we'll see in a minute. In verse 17, it says, Obey your leaders. So, well, wait, this could be anybody. Yeah, people can lead, right? But, but let's see what it says. It says, Obey your leaders in verse 17 and submit to them since they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account. That's elders. That's spiritual shepherds of the church. Listen, I have to give an account for you and how I helped you. And, and, and no wonder I want the plurality of elders, right? There's, there's a lot to account for here. It's plural. The job is not for one man, but for as many as are called, qualified, and available. We don't know. There's no limit, right? We want to raise up elders to serve the church. And listen, we have to understand this is a servant leadership position. This is not, you know, a lot of people have made it, oh, this is the board of elders, and to me, a board of elders, I know some churches, it's, you know, oh yeah, so we call it the board of elders. But to me, a board are those people that sit in fancy suits around a big conference table in like the 30th floor of a building. They have no grasp on reality. They aren't touching anything that has to do with reality. They aren't rubbing elbows and being, being shoulder to shoulder with people. They're just making these crazy weird decisions that affect everybody else below them. That is not the biblical model of eldership, okay? So if that's a fear of yours, let's, let's get rid of that fear. That's not the biblical model of eldership. Elders are to be shepherds. Okay, so number one is there's a plurality of them. Uh, that's how they serve the church. Number two is this. Elders serve the church as servant leaders. They're a gift as servant leaders. God has given us a gift, and I told you to turn to Ephesians 4. Hopefully you're still there. Ephesians 4, let's look at verses 11 through 16 together. It starts out, it says, And he himself, who is that talking about? It's talking about Jesus Christ. It's the Lord Jesus. It says, And he himself gave, there's the gift, gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, equipping the saints for the work of the ministry to build up the body of Christ. Now listen to what this, the goal here is. As we look at this, why did God give us the gift of these servant leaders, these teachers, these pastors, these shepherds? What, why did he? He says, in order to equip the saints, that's you and I, but equip the saints for ministry to build up the body of Christ until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of God's Son, growing into maturity with a stature measured by Christ's fullness. That's, a, that's an amazing job. That, that should be an amazing goal of our body, of our church. We want to be at this full stature of maturity and faith in Jesus Christ. And look at verse 14, because it, the verse 14 shows what is contrary to that. What was happening without that gift. So here's what happens without that gift. Then you will no longer be children, little children, tossed by the waves and blown around by every wind of teaching, by human cunning with cleverness in the techniques of deceit. You know what that is? You know what that says? When we don't have proper leadership and, and guidance and direction and spiritual um, teaching, we grab onto whatever feels right. We let culture dictate our lives and our faith. We let culture model what we think should be modeled in our homes, in our churches. And Jesus is looking like, what are you doing? So he gave us this gift of male eldership, servant leaders who would lead and love and serve and guide and, and teach the church. 
so they'd grow into maturity, and no longer would we be children tossed by the waves and blown around by the wind of teaching or by human cunning with cleverness and the techniques of deceit. But speaking the truth in love, that let us grow in every way into him who is the head, Christ. See, this is not a board. It says, you are responsible to me. A servant leader, a, a, an elder, a pastor teacher is to come underneath and say, I want to encourage you and lift you and teach you and get, help you get mature so that you will grow into every way into him, Christ, who is the head. Not the elder, the head, but Christ, who is the head. It says, from him, the whole body, fitted and knit together by every supporting ligament, promotes the growth of the body for building up itself in love by the proper working of each individual part. The gift of, of elders is a part of the, of the gifting of the church that makes us complete as a body and helps us become mature and healthy. Now there's two, two ways I think we, and I've kind of mentioned this, there's, there's two ways we can look at this, and we look at this in even culture. We have Father's Day and we say, oh, Father's Day is so great. I can't, I can't wait to call my dad later. Was he a perfect dad? No, he wasn't. But he was, he was a humble dad. He tried his best. He, he, he admitted when he was wrong, and he, he guided my brother and I towards Jesus all the time. And I'm so thankful for that. And I'm going to call and honor him in that. I'm going to let him know that. I'm going I'm to love him the way I should love him. But there's other, other dads out there, right? There's other times, and even probably my, times my dad modeled the lorded over mentality. You will do what I want you to do, and there's nothing else. You're just going to do it. I, I've seen the temptation for that right now myself, by the way. My daughter has started, started, and you think it's usually a two-year-old thing, but my daughter has now started asking the question, why? Oh, man. And I'm okay. The other day, I'm like, Bailey, don't ask me, don't ask me why. And then I'm like, wait, wait, wait. You can, it's okay. I want you to ask me why. I want you to learn why I say what I say, but man, you are asking it a lot. You just got to slow down a little bit. I mean, you can, Bailey, you can think through that question a little bit first and then ask me if you really don't know the answer, right? Like, that's, that's, so my, tent, my, my, my fault would be, I'm just going to lord it over her and say, do what I say, and, and that's it. When you ask why, what should I say? Because I said so. How many of us are guilty of that, right? All of us. It, it, we do that. And, and, but some, some kids have that as a father their whole life. That's all they have. Right? They lord it over them. I'm the boss. Do what I say. That's it. Let's not have a conversation about this. Let's not, I'm not going to teach you. I'm just going to lord it over you. That is not the model of biblical eldership, right, or authority or spiritual guidance in Scripture. And the other side of that is passivity, where we have a dad that's like, I don't want to upset what's going on here. I'm just going to stand back and watch. You do whatever you want. Learn from your own mistakes. See, everyone else has to. And I'll just sit back and watch. And that cheats children, too, and families. Right? And certainly there's all kinds of ways we could say that it's, the family has been messed up or dads are absent or whatever. But those are two ways that, that we get kind of scared. When there is a dad, it's either going to be a lorded over situation or a passive situation. And Jesus says, let's meet in the middle. Why don't you be a servant leader? Why don't you love diligently and explain and teach and guide and be humble and gentle and, and guide your children into, into maturity? Because one day they're going to look back and thank you for that. And see, the, the truth is that, that even as we talk about dads and the household, and today, as you honor your dad, or as you're honoring uh, um, your 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 wife, your 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 wife, and you're honoring the husband who's a dad, what what you want in a home is not either the lorded over or the passive dad. 
See, we're looking for that male servant leadership in our home, right? That's, that's, what, that's what you want to respect and honor. The same is true and should be true in the church. We send out a card, right, and want to respect our, 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 our fathers or whatever, our parents, and we say, Happy Father's Day. The tributes usually don't look like, Dad, thanks so much for lording it over me and, and never giving me any freedom at all. Dad, thanks so much for not being around ever. I mean, I mean, probably sent, some of those cards are probably sent sarcastically, right? Out of bitterness, right? Out of, out of anger, out of resentment. Because see, that's what happens. When you lord it over, children suffer and become bitter. And when you do nothing, children flounder and have more scars than they can count. So there's got to be a place in the middle, right? A place, that, there's a, a place of servant leadership. I want you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 28. I want to see how Jesus dealt with this because this, this lorded over type situation was happening uh, in Christ's day. I don't think it's 28, by the way. I think it's uh, 23. I think I missed, yeah, it's 23. I made a mistake. I'm sorry. I'm not perfect. So there's fears. There's fears that we could have about biblical eldership. There's fears we could have about uh, a, a board of elders lording it over or, or elders who are just ineffective and passive and really don't care about our spiritual well-being at all. There's those fears. But here, here's what I want to look at. In, in chapter 23 and verses 1 through 12, let's look at what Jesus said. We, we used this passage recently in one of the, one of the uh, sermons. Jesus spoke to the crowds and to his disciples. The scribes and the Pharisees are seated at the chair of Moses. Therefore, do whatever they tell you and observe it. But don't do what they do, because they do not practice what they teach. They tie up heavy loads that are hard to carry. They put them on people's shoulders, but they themselves are, aren't willing to lift a finger to move them. They do everything to be seen by others, to enlarge their phylacteries and lengthen their tassels. They love the places of honor at banquets, the front seats in synagogues, greetings in the marketplaces, and to be called rabbi by people. That does not sound like how we should have it. I mean, and, and, and you're right, because Jesus is even speaking against that, isn't he? Saying that is not okay. Beware of this. This is not okay. And he continues to call the Pharisees and the scribes out. Woe to you. Woe to you. You are dead meat for what you're doing. But look at verse 8. But you are not to be called rabbi because you have one teacher. You are all brothers and sisters. Do not call anyone on earth your father because you have one father who is in heaven. You are not to be called instructors either because you have one instructor, the Messiah. The greatest among you will be your servant. Verse 12, whoever exalts himself will be humbled. But what? Whoever humbles himself will be exalted. What does leadership look like in God's church? Servant leadership. Humble, gracious, compassionate, loving truth-filled servant leadership. That's what it should look like in the church. And we talk about titles, and titles tend to, to scare us a little bit. But it's not, this kind of leadership is not about acquiring titles. I want to go to a few other passages for you. I'll read these to you. And in, way, in places where, where Paul's talking about elders, it's, it's, very, it's almost very clear. It's, it's very clear he's talking about elders here. And, and look what he says. In 1 Thessalonians, he says this. Uh, now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to give recognition to... Those who labor among you and lead you in the Lord and admonish you. You see what the, the, the description there? We're not talking about a board of elders, right? 
We're talking about men who, who labor among you and lead you in the, in the Lord and admonish you and encourage you. They teach you. Paul's saying those, we should honor those. We should, respect, we should desire that. We should respect that. Regard them very highly in love because of their work. 1 Corinthians 16 says this, Brothers and sisters, you know the household of Stephanus and, their, and the first fruits of Acacia, uh, and have, they have devoted themselves to serving the saints. So he's talking about these, these who have devoted themselves to serving the saints. I urge you, also submit to such people and to everyone who works and labors with them. It's a work and a labor. It's saying, I'm going to lay myself down to, to make sure we can build up the body of Christ. The model of biblical male eldership is, is servant leadership. Colossians 1 and Colossians 4 say this, You have learned from Epaphras, uh, Epaphras, that's what it is, your dearly loved fellow servant, your dearly loved fellow servant, he is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf. Faithful minister. You see the words that we're describing here? It does not describe a board that rules over people. Certainly elders guide, and their job is to guide and to direct and to, and to give insight and to, to plot the course for a church under the power and guidance of the Holy Spirit. But they are leaders. They are faithful leaders. Going on, it, it might not, listen, it might not be about acquiring titles. Like, it's like, well, why do we need titles then? If we don't need to have a bunch of elders. Let's just let people serve wholeheartedly. Well, I think there's a couple reasons that, that having elders officially confirming elders in our church is important. And here's what, it, here's what I'd say. One is this, because it's biblically rooted. Elder slash overseer slash pastor slash shepherd, those are biblical terms. And when we see biblical terms, we can have biblical definitions, right? That biblical terms create biblical definitions. So when we, when we embrace those biblical terms and, and, and titles, if they were, it roots us and takes us back to the scriptures instead of relying on human wisdom to figure it out. I would much rather rely on biblical wisdom than human wisdom. The definitions of these titles are defined. That's, the, that's a great thing, right? We can, we can go to it and say, well, elder, isn't this this? Yeah, it's right there. It's in scripture. We can read about it. We can learn about it. We can study it and know what that is so there's no room for misconceptions. And, and finally, titles will hold the servant leader accountable to those biblical definitions. Biblically speaking, I, as your pastor, I'm an elder. And I, and I can go to the scripture and see exactly what's required of me. And I can hold myself accountable to that, and I should be held accountable to that. So when you give, when you say, let's, let's call, let's endorse, let's confirm these servant leaders in our church as elders, as pastors, we are saying that they are now accountable to God's definition of what that means. And that's so important to do. So we've established that there's a, and as biblical eldership, biblical male eldership is a plurality. It's more than one. We've established that they are a gift to the church as servant leaders. Amen? Number three. Now we're going to go in the next four things are, are how do they serve the church, right? We're continuing in that theme. How do they serve the church? Well, they serve by teaching. This is how they serve. They serve by teaching. This is how we become spiritually mature. Titus tells us this. As an overseer of God's household, hold to the faithful message as taught so that he will be able to encourage, uh, both encourage with sound teaching and refute those who contradict it. Uh, really important. Before we get too far in there, I, I, want, I want to take your attention to the bulletin. Let's go there. I skipped that part. In your bulletin, you should have an insert that looks like this. I, well, you have two of them that look like that, right? Uh, my mistake again. 
I printed a double orange day. The orange one with lots of words and no pictures. This is a recommendation from your church leadership, from your church council, and from the personnel committee. As we've talked about this process and going through it, this is the recommendation. I want to go over this with you. And the explanation part on top is kind of what we're talking about today in the next few weeks. But I'll read it. It says, In an effort to become a more biblically centered and structured church, we recognize, we must recognize, the call uh, and call the men that God has raised up to lead and teach the body. This is the way the body is shepherded biblically. The Apostle Peter says, I exhort the elders among you to shepherd God's flock. Elders serve the good shepherd, Jesus, by providing his local flocks with spiritual oversight. As servant leaders, elders feed, lead, protect, and nurture church members like shepherds do with sheep. It is unbiblical and unproductive for the shepherding responsibilities to rest on one man. In an effort to faithfully shepherd God's flock and to set right what's been left undone, we must call faithful men as elders who will care for the flock in its entirety. Here's the recommendation. The church council, along with the personnel committee, recommends to the church that we biblically establish elders to shepherd the flock. Now, there's a responsibilities page. It's blue. It looks like this. It's at the kiosk. You can take that and and check it out and, and go home and study that and read it. The names of the men recommended are Larry Schleif, Ryan Wilden, Hoyt Bradley, Alistair Curley, Jeff Repass, and David Holst. Now, what, what is exciting to me is this. These men are not perfect. Okay, and I'm glad for that. But as, as I read that, most of you are like, wow, yeah, that's right. Those, are, those guys are servant leaders. They're already playing that role in a lot of ways. They're serving in that capacity. They're, they're taking care of, of the needs of the church. I've had conversations with all of them, several conversations with all of them. Uh, in fact, if you read the, the blue sheet and go through the list of qualifications in the, in the New Testament, uh, we've had conversations like, hey, look at this. Is that you? And one of the qualifications I said that they should be called, right? They should be qualified and they should be available. We've had that conversation. Called means do you aspire? Or do you feel a call on God's life and do you aspire to fulfill that calling and serve the church in that way, to serve the church in that way? Are you qualified? Number two, do you, do you meet the qualifications in Scripture? Can you say that about yourself? Or have you disqualified yourself in some way? And then are you available? Do you have, do you have the time or, or, the, or are you willing to sacrifice the time in order to serve the church in that way? All of those men have answered yes to that. The church council recommends them. The personnel committee recommends them to you. Now I want to read that, the details part of this. This is important because, because we are in a hierarchy that says this is what's going to happen no matter what. That's not how we are, right? We're a church. We're the church of God. You and I, as, just, as covenant members of a body of Christ, have a responsibility to what happens here. So this next part, the details. These men have been, uh, who have been listed, uh, they, they're listed so the church, you and I, under prayerful guidance of the Holy Spirit, may have time to bring up and have answered any concerns regarding the qualifications listed on the job description or the, or the responsibilities list. Here's the deal. If concerns arise, here it is. Listen to this. If concerns arise, it will be, this is biblical, the individual responsibility of a member to bring it to the attention of the nominated elder so the matter can be settled. That's biblical. If your brother has sinned against you, if there's something wrong, you need to go and approach that elder. Now listen, I have have had that talk with these men. 
and said, said this final, the final list may not be these men. At our business meeting, you, you or I may have seen something or said something and gone to an elder, the nominated elder and said, listen, th- you might be disqualified or this might not be the right season for you. I, I want to have a conversation with you. And maybe, maybe there's something that one of them has done to you, right? And it, they've sinned against you. And you need to clear the air. You need to let them repent of that. And if they don't repent of that, that that's, that's not qualified. But, but hear me about this. I, what I'm not asking you to do is nitpick people. These are imperfect men who aspire to lead and love and serve God's church under the direction of the Holy Spirit. They are not perfect. Going to them and saying, I don't like the way you chew your gum is not what we're asking you to do. I don't like the soccer team that you like. That's not, who cares? Okay? When we are talking about calling and, and confirming men who will serve and lead our church, we are looking at, are they, are they indeed called? Right? Are they, are they aspiring to do that? You, maybe you know something. Maybe they're just giving me a line saying, yeah, I really aspire to this. And somewhere else they're saying, ah, oh, this is going to be the worst thing ever. Then they're not called. They shouldn't do it. Maybe they have sinned against you in some way. There's some sin there, unrepentant sin. They're disqualified because of unrepentant sin in their life. Talk to them. Share with them. And, and, and in sharing, and me having a conversation with those men, they are open and ready for those conversations. They are ready to have a humble, as humble of a heart as they can to receive any criticism that is, that is legitimate from you to test and see, are they qualified? Are they called? Are they available? You understand that? This is not a, let's, let's just get all the dirt and I don't like this person and preferences thing. This is who has God given us as a gift to lead and serve the church well. Now, if you go to the person and, and to settle the matter and it's settled, it's settled, great. We'll carry on. If the matter, only if a matter could not be settled should an individual bring it to the attention of the pastor and or the church council. You can find one of your church council members. You, you come talk to me if you need to, but only after you have spoken to this individual. Okay? That's biblical. Uh, after this prayerful consideration, the final list of qualified and called men will be presented for confirmation at our next business meeting. That's how we're going to do that. Now look at the next part. Here's the schedule and the process. Between now, June 16th and July 14th, I will be preaching and teaching on, on biblical eldership. What, what does it look like? I'm also asking that you would be, I'm calling you to prayer and to fasting. Set aside a day to fast and really seek God and say, God, is this what you want? Is this, it, it, maybe you, you have an issue and you need to settle it, but you're not ready to settle it. Pray and fast. God, what, do I need to let this go? Do I need to deal with it? What's the best way? Pray and fast. Let God's, let God's blessing rain down on us. Let God's gift rain down on us through that during this time. Uh, you'll see June, thir- June 23rd, that's next Sunday. What we're setting up is a Q&A evening that evening. So I, I know that you're going to have questions. I know that there's baggage and there's all kinds of things that you're going to like, what is going on? If you have those questions, great. Submit them to us. I, I would prefer that you submit them ahead of time so we don't have to do a lot of off-the-cuff stuff. And I, I'll answer all those questions straight away, and it might answer ton, tons of people's questions that came because you submitted your question. And then we'll see if there's any questions after that. But you can submit them uh, in the ch- church office in person. Here's a question. You can submit them by email. You can submit them by snail mail. Right? L- let us know. Or if you don't want to do those, go see Alistair and have him write it down for you, and he'll keep it for us. Okay? If you have questions, submit them. Prayerfully think about that. Research. Dig in here. Go, go deep into this and see what this looks like. Uh, so we have a Q&A on the 23rd at 5.30, and that'll be here. And we have a Q&A on the 14th, July 14th, and that's at 3 p.m. in the afternoon. I think there's 
a, a camp, a wild adventure camp meeting that evening. So we're doing it in the afternoon. Go home, have lunch, come back and have a final Q&A meeting uh, on the 14th. And then July 18th is a uh, covenant members meeting at 6.30 p.m. It's a semi-annual business meeting at FBC where we will uh, finalize this recommendation with a vote. Uh, there will be other recommendations coming, but we're, we only have to give you a couple weeks on those ones. This one is the most predominant, predominant thing we wanted to let you know about. Now, as we go back to our, go back to our, our message here in our text, I, I want you to understand um, that this is a step in the right direction. The, they're going to they're act with the authority that any committee in our church has uh, based, on, based on the responsibilities here. They're going to have any, the same authority any committee in our church has, which is to come discuss their roles and, and to fulfill their, their uh, responsibilities, but also to bring recommendations to the church body at business meetings. They can bring a recommendation and say, this is what we think as the elders we, we think we should do and pose that to a vote. That's how it'll, it'll work. But we are going to be working on, and our church is working towards, remember I told you we started bylaws, and it was so big, we said, Let's, we, just, we need elders right now. That's the urgent thing. That's the imminent thing. That's where we went. Well, we still need to change our bylaws. We still need to revamp them and, and to look at them. So that'll be something the elders can do as well, once, once confirmed, to go through that and to think through how, how can this be shaped and, and formed and modeled. But that's an ongoing process. So, and and, and office, the office of elder will, will change and shift a little bit also as we work through it. Listen, I guarantee you we're going to make mistakes. I, I was talking to these guys the other day, and we're like, I, we've never, who's, who's done this before? None of us. We're imperfect people. We're going to make mistakes. And we're going to repent of that, and we're going to make it, make it right, and we're going to change something so that it, that it serves the church best. That's, that's our desire. And even when you come to Q&A, you may say, well, what are you going to do about this? I don't know. You may, I may say, I don't know. We'll have to figure that out. That's a great question. We don't have all the answers. We know who does, and we know where we're going to look for them, okay? So real quickly, we're going to look at just four roles they have, and this is on the, on the blue sheet in the lobby. You can take it home and look at that as well. The first is to teach. Their role is to teach. Elders should teach. They're, they're overseers of God's household. They should be faithful uh, to teach and encourage with sound teaching so that they can also refute and contradict unsound teaching. That's something that, that we should always be on the lookout for. Is what you're listening to, is that article you read, is that book you recommended, is that really biblical? Right? We need to make sure we're, we're embracing sound doctrine. An overseer, therefore, must be able to teach in 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy 4, it says, Until I come, give your attention. He's, he's telling this to Pastor Timothy. Give your attention to the public reading, exhortation, and teaching. Pay close attention to your life and your teaching. Persevere in these things. And elders should be able to teach and should teach. Scripture says that some elders are given the responsibility to teach and preach, but not all, but te elders teach. The goal of teaching is not to only to encourage believers by giving them biblical instruction, but also to firmly rebuke those who oppose the truth of the gospel, to make sure that there is purity in what we believe here, and this is where we, we rest. Number two, that they, they lead. Number, number four, sorry, number four. They lead the church. That's, a, that's the second role we see. They lead the church. 1 Timothy 3 says uh, the qualification is that he, the elder, should manage his household competently and have his children under control with all dignity. Right? Does that mean he's perfect at it? No. But, but man, as the average goes, this is, this is what this guy looks like. But when you talk about that word manage, it goes into verse 5. If anyone does not know how to manage, right, oversee, rule, lead his household well, how will he take care of God's church? So the charge is there for an elder not only to manage their household, but also to manage the church, to take care of the church, to lead the church and guide the church. We see um, Acts chapter 20. It says, Be on guard for yourselves and for the flock 
of which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as overseers. That word overseer, synonymous with elders and pastors, uh, shepherds. That is overseer, that is a ruler, but, but a servant leader, right? They're to lead the church. It says to shepherd. So be on guard for yourselves and for the flock for which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as an overseer to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. There's a deep responsibility there. The next one is that, that sh- uh, elders shepherd and model. They shepherd and model Christian lifestyle. 1 Peter 5, 2-3 says, Shepherd God's flock among you, not overseen out of compulsion. So this goes back to the overseen as well, not leading out of compulsion. Someone made me do it. But willingly, as God would have you. Not out of greed or money, uh, greed for money, but, but eagerly. And here's what, not. So how do you shepherd the God's flock? Not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. Be an example to the flock. One of the things it says on, on this sheet, um, elders lead by example. Shepherd, shepherd the church not only by lording it over, we said that, but by being examples to the flock. It's not surprising that the New Testament list, uh, list of elders' qualifications focus predominantly on character, how they model that character. Elders' ba- most basic job is simply to say to the flock, follow me as I follow Christ. You think about a shepherd and how that's synonymous with, with a shepherd with sheep. Right? A shepherd that's shepherding sheep is not at a board meeting in a boardroom. They're out in a field amongst the sheep. And they're guiding and helping and, and they're rescuing. A shepherd will smell like sheep, in fact, right? When you go talk to a shepherd, like, well, what have you been doing today? I've been with the sheep. That's what an elder does. They're with the sheep. They're shepherding the sheep. They're modeling that in their life. They're doing life together with the sheep. And finally, their role is to equip and care. Equip and care. Elders are to equip the saints for the work in the ministry, that they would build up the body of Christ. And we read that earlier from Ephesians chapter 4. That's, that's a goal. Is I want to, we want to equip the saints, equip the believers to, to do the ministry that God has called them to do so we build up the church and they become mature. This includes helping others minister to the body and, and teaching and training other men who will be able to teach and lead as well as elders. That should be a focus. Who's God calling? Who's God raising up? Because elders get elderer, right? And we need to have elders who are young and, and who God calls, not unqualified, but who God calls to those positions. So they train up others to lead well. And as shepherds of the church body, elders must also be available to respond to the needs as they arise. But remembering, they respond to the needs, they take care of the church, calling the elders to pray for you, right? We're, we're going to take care, we're going to visit you. But remembering that they are, that while they can be involved in practical needs and should be, their priorities must always be to prayer and the ministry of the word. Equipping the saints for ministry. Making sure that the, the church is on the right course and the, the, the sheep are following that course as well. So listen, th- this is, this is a, a beginning to our series on eldership and what it looks like. I, I hope you have some questions uh, for later, right? I write those down. I hope it's given you some, some insight to go study. But, but overall, here, here's today's message in a nutshell. Just as fathers are God's gifts to lead and serve and love the family and the, the home. Elders are men that God has gifted to the church to love and serve and lead the house of God. And we have to look and see what does that look like. So I, be, please be in prayer for these men on this list. Please, please be in prayer for your church that we would go the way God wants us to go, that we would want this above everything else. Amen? All right, let's stand and pray together.
Father, you are a good and gracious God, and we are so grateful. God, thank you for giving us the word. Thank you today as we honor and celebrate dads. God, we know that that, that looks messy sometimes. But God, thank you for giving us the ultimate model of a father as, as you are, our heavenly father. That you're loving and kind, that you discipline us well, that you guide us and direct us. God, thank you for gifting uh, many of us with, with good dads. Dads that, that modeled that the best they knew how. And God, we're, we're also grateful that you've gifted us with, with men in our church to love and serve and lead how you would call. Help us be in prayer for them. Help us call capable servant leaders to take care of the flock. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, we're going to close in our response time in worship, and it's, it's time to celebrate what God's doing and who God is. And uh, so as, as, as we sing, maybe, maybe you just need to worship from your heart and celebrate all he is. Maybe you need to pray and, and contemplate this, what we talked about, what God's doing and what he stirred in your heart from Scripture. Listen, may, maybe some of you here, that, that list does not mean that's all we have in our church. That, that, that's who we see and who we have identified. But maybe in your heart, you're, you aspire to, to, to lead and serve as, as a servant leader. Maybe you aspire to eldership and you want to know more. There's room for that. We, we want to we talk. We want to we edify. We want to build up people and train, train others to lead well so we can, we can shepherd the flock, shepherd us in a great, great, full way. So maybe that's you. But whatever you might need prayer for, I'll, I'll be down front if you'd like to pray. Uh, but let's just worship with this last song. Light of the world, you step down into darkness. Open my eyes, let me see beauty that made this heart adore you. Hope of a life spent with you. So here I am to worship. Here I am to bow down. Here I am to say. King of all days, oh, so highly exalted, glorious in heaven above. Humbly you came to the earth you created, all for love's sake became poor. So here I am to worship, here I am to bow down, here I am to say that you're my God. You're all together lovely, all together worthy, all together wonderful to me. And I'll never know how much it cost to see my sin upon that cross and i'll never know how much it cost to see my sin upon that cross so here i am to worship here i am to bow down here i am to say that you're my god you're all together lovely all together worthy all 
altogether wonderful to me. So here I am to worship. I hope we can say that, that, that when we come to worship him, we're here to say he is our king. Right? And, that, and that's where we go back to say that what he says in his word is supreme. That's what we want more than anything else. And more than preferences, more than comfort, more than anything, I want God's word for, for me. I want God's word for you. And I want us to live by that and let it, let it well up in us to, to maturity. So be, please be prayerful as we continue uh, our pursuit of, of God's structure for our church, our pursuit of biblical male eldership in our church, and, uh, and how that could be a blessing for us all. And not only for us, but for our communities as well. I love you guys a lot. Uh, Hoyt, would you please close us in prayer?